This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. Hello, Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. So that is the way you evolve tradition. Trust in yourself, trust in your palate, and you have a confidence of doing things that other people not even imagine. At that point, you can make the difference. And you can make visible the invisible. You're about to meet the man behind the world's greatest restaurant, Massimo Batura, sits down with me in this special Life Beats interview to talk his modernese roots how he breaks all the rules while at the same time honoring centuries of Italian tradition, how art transformed his food and allowed him to innovate, and why, he says, we need to see bread as gold, as the answer to climate change, alleviating poverty and fostering community all over the world. This is an interview you do not want to miss. That's all coming up right here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. 95. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Pulse. Born in Modena in Emilia Romagna, Massimo Batura grew up under the kitchen table eating some of Italy's most beloved dishes, including the region's famous tortellini and lasagna. He went on to cut his culinary teeth in the international kitchens of famed chefs like Alain Ducasse and Ferran Adria. And while Massimo never lost sight of his roots, he was always a rebel who refused to be nostalgic, always looking to elevate and transform time-honored ingredients and dishes to create, as he says, new traditions that bring Italian cuisine well and truly into the 21st century. Modena, the home of slow food and fast cars, now also had another reason to dominate the world map with his three Michelin-starred restaurant, Australia Francescana, being named number one on the world's 50 best restaurant list twice in 2016 and 2018. But Massimo's food is not about awards. It is not even about innovation. His food embodies his obsession with quality and discovery and finding new ways to celebrate the ingredients that have had meant the most to him, presenting them to his diners in ways that are colorful, joyful and unexpected. His food at once excites the senses, ignites memories and starts a conversation around art, beauty, the value of what we take for granted and the more pressing global issues of climate change, food waste, alleviating poverty and empowering marginalized communities. As Massimo arrives for our interview at his Riviera-inspired restaurant Turno Subito at W The Palm, he is a flutter of excitement in a color-blotched Gucci t-shirt, chatting earnestly with diners before we sit down together to a meal of his selection to hear his incredible story. His passion is contagious, his energy is buzzing, but beyond his excitement and playfulness, Massimo is grounded in a deep sense of responsibility to use his craft in ways that contribute to a much greater good. You are somebody who, where you've got disasters and struggles that would have otherwise destroyed other people. You're the kind of person who runs towards them. They spark like <laughs> a fire and a creativity in you 
that just has produced some of your best work. I mean, let's take, for example, the earthquake yeah. in Modena, 2012, where you were somebody who just came in and basically single-handedly saved the Parmigiano-Reggiano industry there. How did that come to you? It's, um, it's about um, the social responsibility that we, we, we create, that I have inside. As I grew up, you know, my grandmother was always saying that, you know, like, think about yourself, but also think about the others. It's not just about yourself, it's about the others. And so I've learned that if you stay together, we can make the difference in life. Especially, there's an artist that I love, is the most, to me, one of the most important artists of the 20th century, it's called Joseph Boyce. He created a piece of art called We Are the Revolution. He's by himself, he's walking towards you, and he's saying, we are the revolution. That means, it's not by me, it's not by him, it's not by you, it's all together. If we stay together, we can make the difference in life. You know, when we open uh, the first refectorio, you know, my project on uh, the Universal Exposition about fighting food waste, uh, fighting social isolation, feeding the people in need, we thought, we can change the world. But if you can change your own neighborhood, and we all gonna do that, we can change the world together. So it's about that. Uh, and uh, it's about, uh, you know, at that time confronting uh, the nature that raises voice and you have to answer. And the answer was uh, a recipe as a social gesture. So a recipe that was shared by the, each one of us who believe in this cause and thousands of thousands of people they start cooking with parmigiano reggiano at that time and buying parmigiano reggiano from tokyo to cape town from buenos aires to new york and uh, we did that and uh, we were able to sell 360,000 wheels of parmigiano reggiano in uh, three months no one lost the job uh, no one uh, small company closed uh, the doors and uh, we were able to sell it, you know? You know, it's funny because I've seen you several times split open a barrel of Parmigiano Reggiano and every single time you get emotional. Like when I But it's a magic thing, you know? If you think about that, you know, how can it be possible that 550 liters of milk, raw milk, not pasteurized, are compressed into a big wheels of parmigiano in 30 kilos of parmigiano is like 40. It's crazy, you know, it's, it's something incredible. And then, you know, stay there. Raw milk compressed in there, stay for two years. And after two years, all the dairy lactosio is transformed into protein. And even the allergic one, to dairy product, they can eat Parmigiano Reggiano. Yesterday night, I was feeding a very nice lady with Parmigiano Reggiano. She was uh, like, I can eat uh, cheese, you know, dairy product. I said, no, you can eat Parmigiano Reggiano because Parmigiano Reggiano transform the lactose into protein. It was like, it's a miracle, you know, that's why I get emotion. Because every time, every day, when I open a wheel, I have this kind of uh, impact in my emotional state of mind. 
You know, it's funny because when I discovered it, when I was little and I discovered Parmigiana Reggiano, I would eat like a little bit and then I was like, mm. that umami taste just keeps you salivating and yeah. you want more. And before I knew it, the block was gone. Like what? what it is, is true. It, it is, is true. You got exactly the point. You know, the Japanese are studying that cheese since 100 years ago because this is the perfect umami, the perfect balance between sweetness, sapidity, savoriness, and uh, bitterness. It's got everything. You know, it gets everything in your palate. And you start so the saliva, it's because of the acidity. That you don't have the perception, but there's there. Yeah. You know, when we, when we cook with riso uh, cacio e pepe, no? And we have to create a broth um, with uh, parmigiano, and uh, shave it, pour the water, let the protein drops down, leave the water, the water in the middle, you feel the acidity. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. It's so acidic, but you don't understand. You don't feel it because it's uh, the perfect umami after a couple of years. Oh, it's unbelievable. But I want you to tell us more about Modena yeah. and the food traditions that you grew up with. <laughs> Modena is the land of uh, slow food and fast cars. We have Parmigiano, we have balsamic vinegar, we like, we have here, like my balsamic vinegar that I import directly to serve here in Torno Subito. But also on the other side, we have Ferrari, Maserati, Lamborghini, Pagani, you know, all in the area where I live. And it's like, why? I don't know, I don't know. There's something in our gene. It's something about competition. It's something about how we grow up. Uh, in history, we were the capital of the Duke, uh, Ducato of uh, Este, so Modena, Reggio, Ferrara. And uh, close to us, there were like the French in Parma, the Pope in Bologna, the Austrian uh, in uh, Lombardia. But we were the capital and we were protected by the Emperor of Spain because uh, the Queen of Spain was uh, the daughter of the Duke of Este. So no one could touch us. So the Duke, they could invest all the money into social, like into hospital, into culture. So we had like amazing theaters, amazing art. Uh, we were attracting artists. Uh, so those genes, I think they stay there. Coming up, Massimo talks why competition and innovation are in his blood the food that he loved the most from his childhood and why the most important ingredient in his cuisine is one that you cannot buy. That's next. Pulse 95. 95. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. It's Life Beats and my special conversation with Chef Massimo Batura. Here he tells me why innovation and competition are in his Modernese blood and why the most important ingredient in his cuisine is one that you cannot buy. You know, Lamborghini of has course. been built because Mr. Lamborghini had to show that he could create cars better than uh, Mr. Ferrari. So he's like <laughs> at the bar, you know, drinking a coffee, an espresso, and he said, oh, yeah, I'm making tractors for the, the you know, to work uh, the field. But, you know, if I want, I can make cars faster than the Ferrari. <laughs> what? You know, that was crazy. Yeah. 
but it's exactly how it happened. And uh, you know, you see those it's cars the are of still the Italians. there. Yeah. It's the fire. Yeah. It's amazing. There's a there's a beautiful uh, you know. There are two words on Modena flag called avia pervia. That means in Latin, make look simple the most complicated thing. So we make look simple our cooking, our product, our things that are like the results of centuries and centuries and centuries of tradition. Wow. So everybody try to, in the world, try to copy the magic of uh, balsamic vinegar. But you know, no one can do it and can make it because it's uh, it's about the climate, the humidity, the hot summer, the cold winter, and uh, the knowledge of centuries. You yeah. know. Oh my gosh, that's extraordinary! I think you've taken those words on the flag, and you've made that like your <laughs> life's mission. It's life mission. Right. It's unbelievable. But talk to us about the food that you grew up with, that that your mother and grandmother used to cook, that the, you loved the, the most. The handmade pasta, the sheet that was like reflecting uh, in the shadow with a little breath of sun that yeah. was coming in uh, from uh, the, and you can understand. Uh, from the sheet, uh, from the light, uh, that that sheet was perfect for tortellini or for tagliatelle, the noodles. These kind of things, they stay with you forever. You know, these kind of things are about emotion. And my food is like that, you know? We, we try to feed people with emotion, not with yeah. uh, food. You know, of course it's good food, it's a three Michelin star. But uh, emotional is a different level. They open your heart, they tell you, welcome, come in, come into my world. I show you something that you, you never understood, you never know. So it's about that. And uh, growing up, uh, stealing the tortellini, the raw tortellini from up on the table. You were under, hiding under I the kitchen hiding table. I was hiding under the kitchen table, stealing the tortellini, eating the pasta, the raw pasta. It's still one of my favorite things to do. You, <laughs> you know? still do it? Yeah, I still do it. Oh I still gosh. do it. And I'm teaching all my guys, all my team to do that. <laughs> but Try the tortellini, <laughs> but better if they're raw. You know. But one of the most important ingredients, I think, in Modernese cuisine and, and Italian cuisine is time. Understanding the value of time. Yeah. And for a long time, we didn't think about that. And, and in the world that we're in today, more and more, you know, we, we started hearing about slow food. I like this interview. You really find the fingers on the right direction, you know? And take me to the perfect things I, I love to talk about. You know, there's a dish that is uh, the most, uh, probably the most iconic dish in Osteria Francescana that we are serving at uh, Casa Maria Luigia now, that is called the five different age Parmigiano in five different texture and temper, it's about time. It's not about the cheese, it's not about, uh, yeah, of course it's about the cheese, it's not about technique, it's not about to show the ego of the chef, but to show how great the cheese is. And it's one ingredient, Parmigiano-Reggiano, and the second ingredient is time. 24, 30, 36, 40, and 50. And there's the months. Slowly, That's how exactly. many months it's matured. Slowly aging process in Emilia Romagna. It's something magic that we have inside 
And the thyme is something that is changing that ingredient in five different ingredients. So that's why it's so stimulating for your palate. And uh, in the beginning was um, very strange to see in 1993 a plate with just one ingredient. But it was the way to, for me to pay a tribute to the product. I pick one product, I could pick uh, balsamic vinegar, but it wasn't the same thing. I had to work more with technique. But I picked the, the Parmigiano because it's like it's so natural that, you know, like it's the work of centuries of knowledge transformed that milk into the most amazing cheese. And uh, for me, the aging process at that time was avant-garde. Yeah. And uh, so we did uh, our own aging process and uh, it was insane for people to see Parmigiano in a 50 like more than four years just like explain to people what kind of a difference that makes in the taste it's it's changed the whole uh, ingredients in uh, in in the, the perception in uh, it's so different you know the 24 month uh, it's about pleasure you cut it you eat it you taste it and it's about pleasure the pleasure of this umami that it goes directly and it stays long and long then you go up and up and up, and it's getting longer and longer and longer. So at when, once you arrive at the 50 months, uh, more than four years, we create the water as the water that we use for the risotto cacio e pepe. And uh, the water comes and it comes out this uh, foam. That is not foam, it's more airy. That it, I call it fog. Fog of Parmigiano Reggiano that when you taste it, it's so tasty, even if it's nothing, you know, yeah. because the Parmigiano Reggiano at 50 months is so intense that you need to load the percentage to give balance to the plate. So that's why we create that. Absolute master. Coming up, Massimo reveals how he manages to be so innovative while always honoring centuries-old Italian traditions. Plus, he talks the two women who have had the greatest impact on his life and career. That's next. You're listening to Pulse 95. 95. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Pulse. I'm Sally Musa and I'm in conversation with Master Chef Massimo Batura. You've often been called the rock star of Italian cuisine, the Jimi Hendrix of Italian cuisine. So it's easy to think that, you know, you're somebody who's all about innovation. And, you know, you touched on that. But actually, your inventiveness comes from such a deep understanding and respect for tradition. Yeah. It's rooted in that. Yeah. So how do you find that perfect balance between innovation and tradition? I can, I can talk about, for example, balsamic vinegar. At one point, I had one of my best batteries, so the group of uh, barrels that define uh, the final result of balsamic vinegar moving from one barrel to another, in which uh, the final barrel was juniper wood, okay? So the taste was very intense, but also dark with coffee, incense, uh, chocolate. I said, hmm, I love it, but I need freshness. So what I did, I moved the juniper barrel 
inside, in the middle of the battery, after oak and chestnuts, I put the juniper. Then I left mulberry, and the last barrel was cherry wood. So cherry wood means freshness, red fruit, a little bit of uh, sourness, this kind of new things. The people, the old guys, they like the judges of the prize of balsamic vinegar that every year, the 19th of June has been, is there's a Modena. They were like, oh my God, you are ruining with all your idea, you're ruining the old battery that your grandmother left to you. You cannot do that, you cannot do that, you know. But the, the tasting of the 19th of June is blind tasting. No one knows where the vinegar comes from, okay? Because you have numbers. You bring the samples, they give you a number, and they taste the, in the blind taste, you taste the vinegar and you, you know just the number. At that point, at 19, they arrive and at the gold medal. And the gold medal is number 1195. And that was my number. And those people, they were saying that I was crazy to move the cherry, they vote for me. And uh, I won the gold medal as the best balsamic vinegar. So that is the way you evolve tradition. Trust in yourself, trust in your palate, and you have a confidence of doing things that other people not even imagine. At that point, you can make the difference. Yeah. And you can make visible the invisible. And uh, we do that every day in Osteria. We look in our past, our history, our tradition, in a very critic way, yeah. never in a nostalgic one, mm -hmm. to bring the best from the past into the future. Yeah. Something I've heard you say as well is that you're recreating memories through your food, but you're also erasing. That's very interesting to me. What do you mean by that? You know, once you break tradition, it's the moment in which you build a new future for your tradition. Because uh, to be contemporary means to know everything and forget about everything. It's know the, moment the rules in that and break moment. the rules. Yeah. yeah. You can break the rules just if you know the rules perfectly. Exactly as the Ferrari or Maserati they do with cars, exactly as Alessandro does with Gucci. He knows the rules and the history better than anyone else. And so he picked little details from the past and bringing into the future, filtered by his contemporary mind, exactly as I do with my food. Now, there are two women who have had the greatest impact on Massimo's life and career. Here he opens up about his relationship with both, starting with the late Lydia Cristoni. She had been making tortellini for Massimo for over three decades, since she walked into his first restaurant, Trattoria del Campazzo, a short stroll over the field from her family home. Massimo says that it was through Lydia that food found him. Lydia just passed away. She was the one who really teach me two things that are more important than ever. She was taking care of the everyday life when I jumped into the gastronomic world. Because I come, I was studying uh, to become a lawyer, you know, in my young age, and uh, you know, Lydia was the first one who 
teach me that a restaurant is like a family. So you have to sit all together before the service and talk to each other and create a very special feeling to deliver the best service to the customer. She taught you how to make pasta. She teach me also how to make pasta in a different way, different than my mom. I put together the two and I realized that pasta has to evolve. And uh, Lydia was the one who really teach me that humbleness of in a critic moment, you can be a dishwasher. And a dishwasher is exactly as the same role of a chef. In a, in a service, each one of us has a very important role. And if a dishwasher doesn't do his job, the whole service is screwed up. So that, that's one thing. The other, the other lady is my wife. Lara. Lara, she made visible the invisible for me. Because uh, I was living in New York. We started working uh, in uh, this uh, small cafe restaurant in Soho, the same day, the 8th of April, 1993. And uh, she was behind the bar. But we both love art. She's really more, she was really more into contemporary art. I was more, I thought art was over after Duchamp, you know. I love the Impressionist, I love the Post-Impressionist, the Fauvism, the Cubism, the Cubist and, uh, you know, the Futurist uh, and you the You like shop. the older rebels. She liked older the new rebels. rebels. Yeah. But she teach me how to look at the new rebels. So that was a key moment of my life. Because I start looking at art or life in a totally different way. And that was the moment in which uh, I realized to go deeper and deeper into things. And, uh, you know, I, I fell totally in love for contemporary art. Because that just totally influenced your food. It's totally influenced my food. Yeah. You know, Damien Hirst, one of my favorite artists, uh, you know, he was so into my beautiful psychedelic spin painting veal, charcoal grill with glorious color that uh, he sent me a spin painting from London to keep in the restaurant, to get in the restaurant as someone who, who really understand what he was doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Damien Hurst built this uh, beautiful spin, paint, spin machine in which he was uh, putting the canvas yes. and preparing the glorious color on the side <laughs> and he was playing like, he was playing like a kid throwing the bucket of color in the right way, in the right direction, using the spin painting. So he's playing like a kid, exactly as I do with my color, transforming side dishes into color and spinning them. Coming up, we talk how Art transformed his approach to his work and that famous banana taped to the wall by Maurizio Catalan in Miami. Remember that? Well, maybe Massimo Batura had a little something to do with it. Plus, he talks persevering when no one else believed in his vision. That's next here on Life Beats. Pulse 95. 95. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. One of Massimo's biggest influences in his life and at work is art. 
Here he talks about how it transformed his outlook on life. And he tells me whether he had an influence on his good friend Maurizio Catalan's artwork, The Banana Taped to the Wall at Art Basel, Miami. That's Your dishes are works of art. Your dishes are no, actually, I they look like works of art. I say that I'm an artisan, obsessed about quality, and I'm not an artist, for one simple reason. The artist is free to do whatever he wants. An artisan like me has to cook good food. As a, an engineer who builds Ferraris, he has to create fast cars. So we have to do something that define us as an artist. There's a function Obsessed, that you have to... Yeah, obsess yeah. about quality. Yeah. There's a Latin word that defines us very well. It's called artiere. So an artisan obsess about quality. So you're not an artisan, you're not an artist, you are an artiere. An artisan obsess about quality. I love that. <laughs> um, Maurizio Catalan. Yeah. He has had a big influence on you, his Pigeon series. Yeah blew your mind yeah. at one stage. They were 1996. And then you, you, you decided to put him in your book, Never Trust a Skinny Italian Chef. You yeah. guys had a dialogue in there. <laughs> that, was that was a crazy dialogue. <laughs> but I love it. I love that. It's it, crazy. And, and you know, for, for you, you know, what is so important about his influence to you? Uh, it was very... It was very important for me when I was talking, and I was uh, when Lara was telling me how to look at those pigeons, yeah. as she was teaching me things uh, about those pigeons, the, the title was The Tourist, you know? All these tourists, they were arriving in Venice, they were like, dirty the old city and leave, yeah. just for leaving a plastic bottle everywhere. Mauricio used that kind of approach uh, to paint, oops, about that and uh, to me that was the perfect uh, approach to break with my old you know way of cooking yeah. style of cooking and build a new style yeah. and I start reinventing Italian cuisine in a totally different it just gave you that freedom <laughs> yeah. you were just like I can do this too yeah the freedom to do it actually I have to say I did even a little bit more than Maurizio like because I gave a uh, even uh, a creative approach to future. So I've shown uh, it's not just about break, but it's like give a good idea to create the future. Yeah. That's the most uh, difficult thing. Because when you protest, you protest about something, but you have to give the idea for the future, you know, and it's not easy, you know, to create the future. You have to give something better. Yeah. yeah. Than better, what you're... better than where we come from. Yeah. So it's not easy. But it's uh, it's the way to build the future. His latest work that we saw uh, in Miami was the banana taped to the wall. I just I'm just wondering, did you have any influence on that? Was that you? Maybe the banana. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I don't Giving know. Giving value I didn't to ask something him. without value. I, did, I didn't ask him, but uh, is the work really related to what? Uh, I'm doing yeah. about fighting food waste, about using brown bananas. The banana wasn't perfect. The banana was hanging in the wall. The banana can uh, make visible the invisible, you know? Stop wasting food. A banana can be a piece of art. So a humble banana can go on canvas and became a piece of art. And it was $120,000, know? yeah. But it's not about the value. No. It's about uh, the message. 
I think that was uh, really influenced by me and by my job. I think it might have been. Yeah. Now, we need to talk about um, Australia Francescana. Now, you know, you talk about innovating, but that restaurant almost broke you. You know, how did you get through that time? That was difficult. Uh, that was very difficult. That was very difficult. Being a chef and being uh, up there, it's not about just talent, but it's about hard work every day, every day. Picasso was always saying, I was drawing as Raffaello when I was 13, but it took the whole life to paint like a kid. So it's exactly what, what I mean when uh, in the documentary when we say, guys, it's not about being a rock star, it's about artwork. One day, your job is gonna be recognized if you have the right idea, can really be someone, maybe the rock star or like a great chef. But since then, you know, you have to work every day, every day, every day. It's about day. the obsession. It's, it's about the obsession. So I'm obsessed about, you know, quality. Really. It's not just about the quality of uh, the ingredients, but the quality of the idea. Bernardo here at Torno Subito is serving us this uh, contemporary panzanella. Panzanella is the perfect example of what you can do with leftover bread. Here in, du in the W of Dubai, we just signed a contract with the food bank. We are like using all the surplus food that we produce here to feed the people in it. In the morning, we bring all the food to the food bank and we share with people. This is my project, you know, is I fighting food waste. Once you reach the top of the top, it's time to give back. Because this is, you know, it, it's all good and well to have Osteria Francescana at the top. It was named best restaurant in the yeah. world twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you had food for soul. Yeah. And this is what you started with Lara. Coming up next hour, Massimo talks the most important project of his career, the future of food, and the inspiration behind his first ever restaurant outside of Italy, Torno Subito. And just like that, we're also going to be right back here on Pulse 95. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. 95. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. For all of the global accolades and recognition that Chef Massimo Batura has received throughout his career, Food for Soul may be his most important project yet. Founded by Massimo and his wife, Lara Gilmore, Food for Soul is a cultural project that shines a light on the invisible potential of people, places, and food. By enabling the transformation of people and places and food, it builds a culture of value that strengthens community resilience, opens opportunities for social and economic growth, and builds healthier and more equitable food systems. Here Massimo tells me more about Food for Soul and the inspiration behind it. It's all good and well to have Osteria Francescana at the top. It was named best restaurant in the yeah. world twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you had Food for Soul. Yeah. And this is what you started with Lara. Yeah, we realized after the first time we were like number one, number two, number three for a long time, more than 10 years. And you know, we decide to give back. We were number two in 2015. But we use our 
the big spotlight that was on us to open a, a soup kitchen. A beautiful soup kitchen in the most neglected neighborhood in Milan using beauty. The beauty of the art, the beauty of the designer, the beauty of the architects, the beauty of the chef. They can all bring something special to that project. We recreate and re-give life to an abandoned theater, theater from 1930. The artists create amazing uh, art and the designer, they create a beautiful space to host people, migrants, uh, refugees, people from all over the world, homeless, in this amazing space. And the chef, they were showing to the world because the theme of the Universal Exposition in Milan was feed the planet. So we were, we decided to feed the planet our own way. So we got all the inevitable food waste from the Universal Exposition, surplus food, I call it, not food waste, that is different. Because we produce food for 12 billion people, we are 7 billion on Earth, and 860 million people, they don't have anything to eat. We waste 33% of what we produce, and uh, we burn it, and we, are, we became the first cause of climate change. So this project was about fighting food surplus. Okay, so what we did, we brought the inevitable food surplus into the refectorio in Milan, and through our creativity, we create amazing meals for the marginalized people, the fragile souls. Because this is the thing, you know, normally when you think about a soup kitchen, there's a line, people stand in a line, you hold out a plate, you get served Very good. into your plate, Very and it's good not point. like that at all. No, it's not like that at all. Because we have so many volunteers that we focus them on the service, hospitality. You seat people. You see people at tables with flowers yes, and tablecloths exactly. and they're welcomed. Beauty can really change the world, you know. Okay, with beauty you don't do a revolution, as Camus was saying, but one day the revolution will need beauty to rebuild. And once you have to rebuild the soul of the people, the dignity of the people, you need beauty. So a beauty place like that uh, really help you to rebuild the dignity of the people. So through art, design, architecture, creativity of great chefs, yeah. service, it's about beauty. Welcome, buongiorno, buon appetito, as Bernardo is doing now with us. Buon with appetito. The, buon appetito, oh. with the beautiful risotto, with the leftover oh. of Cime di Rapa, and uh, you know, that the is so sardines. It's stunning. Like smoking sardines. The most humble fish you can get, to me, is one of the most emotional fish you can get. It's just exquisite. Shall we taste? Yeah, I think it's time, taste time, it, taste time to taste it. I'm going to taste, taste the panfanella. Me yeah. too. Okay, go. Let's, Let's go. Bread. It's all about sharing. Bread, crumbs, tomato, and parmigiano foam. Oh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That is it's, amazing. That is amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah. That is beautiful. Uh, it's something that I... I, w I go crazy with this. Once a week, we collect all the leftover bread from uh, Osteria. And uh, in a stuffed meal, we create a panzanella like this. And people love that. They love this. It is gorgeous. 
It is so comforting. Yeah. It is so beautiful and warm and welcoming. It's exactly what you want. Make look simple the most complicated thing. Exactly. Let's taste this the now. Risotto. The risotto is exactly... The risotto. Yeah. It is so colorful. I yeah. love, like I said, your food looks like an artwork. Yeah. It's like mm. spiciness, you know. I love feel that. Feel how long. That's got a little bit of a kick to it. Yeah. That is great. Chime di rapa. That is gorgeous. Spiciness goes long, very light, you know. But try like this. Ooh. A little bit, a, a zip of balsamic vinegar. We've got balsamic vinegar going in over the risotto. Okay. Go. With the... Exactly. Not, not a lot, but a little bit. With the sardines. Because I need a little bit of acidity. Oh, the sweetness. Ah. And the acidity. Sweetness and acidity. That's, That's divine. That just made the dish. The balsamic just yeah. made the feel dish. Feel the acidity in your palate. I feel it. It's tingling and it's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Could be done even with uh, lemon uh, confit. You know, you get the lemon uh, the zest. Get you your blanch zest. it. And uh, you put inside the risotto at the end with a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Because you see how light the risotto is. There's no buttery, no exactly. fat, nothing. The food is so light. Yeah. It's That's just, another very important filling. part, you know. Oh. Uh, to me, the contemporary food is, uh, you know, we are into a very humanistic revolution right now in the food. It's like maybe the biggest revolution we had. Everybody talks about food waste. Everybody talks about feed the people, you know, in need. Uh, but also be humble. Go back to your roots. Uh, teach, uh, you know, to me, this is uh, good and healthy. You know, good is because it's good uh, in a th at 360 degrees. Good because we don't waste anything, but good because also the technique we use to express the ingredient. And healthy is because not using fat in excess it's light. make you feel so good. Exactly. Because you eat it, you feel life. good. You're satisfied, yeah. but you're not heavy ever. Yeah. It's what we want in Torno Subito. Beautiful. Is one that. Oh, it's we want gorgeous. Very light preparation, very Italian. But very contemporary. So beautiful, so gorgeous. Yeah. And it's beautiful to look at. Again, you know, it's yeah. beauty. Yeah. Once again, you know, everything, the beauty is so important. You know, talk to me about, because you've done these soup kitchens all over the world now. Yeah. Talk to me about some of the stories of the people who have been impacted by Food for Soul. Coming up next, Massimo gets emotional as he shares some of the stories of those who have benefited from the experience of the Food for Soul soup kitchens. That's next. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. 95. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Pulse. Welcome back to Life Beats on Pulse 95. Now, the Food for Soul experience inspired Massimo to put together his second book, Bread is Gold, named after a dish that brought him comfort when he was little, where breadcrumbs were the hero that made a humble drink unforgettable. Massimo uses the Food for Soul experience to bring together some of the world's most acclaimed chefs to cook for and honour people who may have never experienced the beauty of giving a food that was not only outstanding, but that also nourished the spirit. Here, Massimo shares some of the most memorable moments from the Food for Soul soup kitchens. 
Uh, this is very emotional, no? Yeah. One of the things that I remember the most was the article of the New York Times. This guy, Andrew Jacobs, applied for a job in Rio de Janeiro without introducing himself, you know? And after a couple of days, he said, can I write something? Because uh, I had the opportunity to interview also a person that, uh, you know, he agreed to, inter to get this interview. So yeah, and at the end of the article, there's this interview, a very short uh, line said, I'm uh, Mr. I don't Rosas, something like that, Brazilian name, and uh, it's the first time in my life that I've been treated as human being. I asked my friend to pinch me because I couldn't believe uh, it was reality. Yeah, that that was one of the things that really gives me good goosebumps. But then the other one was in London at the opening in London. This old lady. Uh, walk into this place before the restoration was a disaster. It was like is it was a dark place, uh, aban almost abandoned. You know, people didn't care about you know things. We transform everything in London. You know? We create even a changing room in which you know the people before coming to have uh, supper with us. They take a shower and they change their clothes because uh, there's a, there are a couple of ladies who, who, who really take care of their clothing and uh, changing. And uh, I call the stairway to heaven, you know, that, that stairs that goes upstairs and, uh, and uh, there's a changing room. And uh, this old lady walk into, uh, the, she, has, she had the lunch, the first service, and she said, can I have uh, the microphone, chef? I said, yeah, of course. Yeah, talk, talk to your friends and he said this is the most beautiful place I ever seen in my life and uh, I'm 92 years old and uh, you know this is gonna help to create community I can die very happy now so everybody was like tears in his eyes things and uh, you know like unbelievable unbelievable it was so strong so emotional but she was like perfectly uh, uh, expressing the feeling, uh, the general feeling, you know. Because this is a, a lot about a lot more than just food waste. It's a lot more, you it's know. It's way it's about that. It's, a, it's about fighting food waste, it's about fighting social isolation, yes. it's about feeding the people in need, it's about sharing uh, this cultural message with uh, the most people we can in the world. That's and why you are part of this revolution right now, because you are communicate to all the people here this kind of approach that is a totally, is a very cultural approach. It's just, it's incredible. You know, I'm getting emotional just hearing those stories, but those stories came through in this incredible book yeah. that you put together, Bread yeah. is Gold. Bread is Gold. Pantanella, no? Bread yeah. is gold, you yeah. see? Exactly. Yeah. But actually, this was named for a recipe at Osteria, yeah. in fact, yeah. that is from your childhood. A warm cup of milk, breadcrumbs, the leftover from the mocha, from the family, the mocha, the coffee, and uh, a little bit of sugar. 
it's it was all about that. What well, that was my favorite meal before going to bed. We didn't have, you know, anything except for breadcrumbs, you know, milk. I was boiling the milk and uh, soaked all these breadcrumbs in there, putting what was left from the mocha on top and a lot of sugar because I need sugar because <laughs> I have so much energy that, you know, I burn a lot of energies. And uh, that kind of uh, approach inspired me. Bread is gold. And we rebuilt uh, this recipe matching bread and sugar. Milk and sugar. Bread and milk all together and create this uh, texture and temperature of milk, bread, and, uh, you know, sugar. And then you had the gold. You had and actual gold, gold on top. And the gold on top as a, a metaphor for the bread that most of the time is uh, so undervalued. But bread is uh, a very simple thing that has to be revaluated. You have to ask the right question to the bread. If it's just what kind of flour you use, what kind of yeast you use, what kind of water you use. And then uh, the magic of rising, cooking, baking. And uh, at that point, the bread is ready to be shared around the table, as we do in Maria Luisa, the new country. We break the walls, we create communal tables, and we brought the experience of the refectorio into the fine dining. And we break bread in the middle of the table. Bread that is just being baked. And it's just the most amazing thing ever. And uh, on the other side, when it's one day old, you know, you say, dear bread, what you can do for us? And the bread is answering. Maybe a panzanella, maybe a bruschetta, you know, sliced, toasted, with uh, a little bit of butter and anchovies. When it's three days old, you can create it and transform it into breadcrumbs. And breadcrumbs can be everything you want. Even breadcrumbs noodle, mixing with uh, some parmigiano, some uh, eggs, squeeze into the potato squeezer, and you create breadcrumb noodles uh, cooked in a chicken broth. Oh. So that's another idea of uh, how bread can be transformed into gold. It just, uh, you know, it sounds a lot like um, Arabic food, you know. Yes, yes. That's what feta is. Yeah. Do you know feta? Yes. Right? So it's layers yes. basically yes. of leftovers, like fatouche, the salad, yeah. uses leftover bread. Yeah, that's why I understand and I'm, I'm talking about this, uh, because uh, you and your culture could understand perfectly what I'm talking about. So, so good. Coming up, Massimo talks the future of food and some of his most incredible food hacks for stopping food waste. This is one you won't believe that's next. This is Pulse 95. 95. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats and my conversation with Chef Massimo Batura. Here he talks the inspiration behind his book, Bread is Gold, and offers one of the greatest food hacks you'll ever hear to stop wasting bananas. In this amazing book, you've actually got some of the world's greatest chefs yes. coming into your soup kitchens all over the yeah. world yeah. and bringing their talents 
to these ingredients that you talk about because you know you say create extraordinary dishes from ordinary everyday ingredients we want to show the world that we want to communicate to as many people as we can that we can make the difference in the future especially the young generation they know what we are talking about this is this is absolutely the most important thing isn't it right now when we're talking about the future of the planet, the future of food, yeah. would you say? Yes. I think and everybody has to remember that burning the food waste is the first cause of climate change yeah. right now. So please, be careful. And we waste the most in our home. In our homes, we waste the most because we don't care. Oh, if I throw away that banana that is a brown banana, we talked a little bit about bananas, but talk, you know that's one of the biggest ones that people the biggest, waste. One of the biggest weight uh, product wasted is the bananas. What can we do with bananas? Give bananas, us some ideas. Uh, you know, there's so many things. You know, in Rio de Janeiro, that that was a crazy thing. But in the book, uh, it's not shared. But uh, Google is going to create a platform now, uh, in which uh, we're going to share hundreds and hundreds of recipes all these years that we create with food waste. And uh, one of the recipe is carbonara, pasta carbonara, with uh, yolk, uh, parmigiano, and uh, instead of using bacon, because I didn't have enough bacon, I smoke the banana peels. And I transform banana peels into bacon. What? And I cooked them, I blanched them, I blanched them, I toasted them in the oven, then I smoked them, and then I use uh, mix uh, in the pasta, and no one realized that was not bacon, Get but out. was banana peel. Get out! That was Rio de Janeiro 2016, That's... in the first day of the opening of uh, the Because actually, it's really healthy to eat banana peels. No, it's, it's good like, for you. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a different way to approach to things, you know. As wow. I was saying before, with the risotto, maybe with the lemon zest, uh, you can give a little bit of sweetness and acidity. Exactly. It's about tapping into that creativity. Yes. And that's what this book does. The and book it's does that. I- incredible. Yeah. We have something in front of us here. Yeah, um, back ribs uh, from like ooh. beef uh, back ribs. It looks glazed with uh, my balsamic vinegar. Oh, it, yeah. I can smell the smell yeah, is heavenly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you smell that gorgeous, the yeah. deep, smoky you know, balsamic. Been, yeah, the ribs are very, you know, there's a lot of fat in there. So what we do, we marinate them. Then we cook sous vide for a long time, so the fat is melting and the meat is uh, just melting in your palate. So it kind of separates off. Yes. Wow. Then we open the sous vide, we prepare a glazing prep with the Villa Manodori balsamico, and we brush it three times in the oven. Out, in, out, in, out from the oven. We brush it and we lacquer it. So the, the back ribs, from this uh, amazing Wagyu it's beef. Got, it's got three layers of yeah. beautiful lacquering oh, of balsamic vinegar. So good. Oh my gosh, it, it smells heavenly and yeah, I cannot it's, wait. It's a, uh, I'm gonna cut it. It doesn't even need a knife, it's no. so soft. No, we are, Ooh, yeah. Look at that. Unbelievable. What's in the sauce, chef? It's cherry roots instead of mashed potato. Mm. Oh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I said to Bernardo, instead of using the potatoes to create these uh, creamy mashed potatoes, what we do is we cook the celery roots into milk 
and we use uh, everything, adding a little bit of uh, extra virgin olive oil and salt, and we create a celery roots mash, 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 you know, like it's like thin a, as air. Yeah. It is absolutely divine. Yeah, yeah. But look at the the bones. This yeah. is ah, oh, this is one of the most beautiful dishes. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Here, here at um, Turno Subito. Tell us why you named it Torno Subito. I'll be right back. What is that? <laughs> Maurizio Catalan. Ah, of course, yeah. yes. First work, first uh, exhibition. Mm -hmm. Torno Subito is the classic, you know, things that you put outside your store. Mm -hmm. When you have a, a coffee break in the early, in the middle of the morning and in the middle of the afternoon, you go, you cross the street, you go to the bar and uh, you have your own espresso and you're back to work. So you close this, the shop and you put Torno Subito, I'll be back soon. I love that, because yeah. you need to be here to eat yeah. this. Have you kind of taken anything on from Arabic cuisine? Have you experimented and looked at we it? We are like trying to catch as many favor as we can. With Bernardo we did uh, so many research in market, in uh, traditional cuisine here. So. We use a lot of spices that are like part of this. Yeah. We have uh, a sense of respect. Even uh, we are planning to create tortellini without pork as a respectful way of, uh, you know, using the palate to create new tradition mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, using uh, beef and chicken together to give a little bit spices and to get deep into that flavor, a lot of Parmigiano. Ooh. So to make uh, the tortellini and the pasta, how beautiful! As, uh, res very respectful. I can't yeah. wait for that. What was the idea behind Torno Subito? Like I just, you know, I get 1960s Italy. Yes. yes. It, but it's again, yes. it's you going back to tradition but yeah. contemporary. Yes. <laughs> so it's just, it's fun. It's got your signature fun and energy yeah. in it. The idea is, uh, it's about. Uh, Look at the Italy in a, in a very fun way. When I was a kid and I was spending the summer with my sister and my mom in the Riviera, Rimini, where Fellini was from. So one of the most, uh, to me, one of the most funny and crazy movie was like the circus, eight and a half. And uh, as soon as I recreate a culinary event under a circus stand, in the Piazza Fellini in Rimini, I said, why don't we recreate uh, Riviera in, uh, in Dubai? And, uh, you know, we did it. And it <laughs> was like a Riviera, but in a very, very upscale quality thing. So all the tables, the chairs, the lights, the, the things that we were, that we picked, they were like the super high quality yeah. from uh, Italian designers, you can Italian tell. architects. Right. They create these uh, amazing things. The design and we is won, fantastic. Yeah, we won uh, Best Design of the Year uh, here in, uh, in uh, all the Emirates, but also in London. So, Beautiful. Yeah. And I can see why. I'm just loving it so much. Like it's fresh and it's energetic as soon as it's you come in. It's fresh and energetic. Yeah. yeah. It's fabulous. Yeah. But They want to, me to create this. Uh, dark place with a lot of golds really? around. I said, yeah. No. I said, no, this is not me. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Absolutely no. We also put like the yellow, the yellow Modena color on the wood, uh, wood burn oven and also in the kitchen. So even in the kitchen, kitchen is part of the whole uh, 
Good mood. It just, it just looks like it would be so much fun Good to work mood, here. Good mood, W yeah, things. Yeah, completely. Know, match perfect with that W. Completely. Coming up next, we talk the influence of the top 50 restaurant list. And Massimo talks his, well, 20,000-odd record collection. Yeah, he really loves music. We're going to be talking about that and so much more next here on Life Beats. Pulse 95. 95. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Pulse Welcome back to Life Beats and my special conversation with the incredible Massimo Batura. Here I ask him about his love for music and the impact of being named at the top of the list of the world's 50 best restaurants. You guys were named twice. The first Italian restaurant to be yeah, named yeah. number one. Yeah. 2016, 2018. But then they decided to change the rules and... Yeah. Took because, out restaurants that that were you know often because if winning. you if you think about uh, the last ten years yeah between uh, me René Rezepi of Noma right. and uh, and uh, Joan Roca of uh, SLR de Carroca we are like we were sharing number one number two number three yeah you know and with just swapping some, around some exceptions yeah. but very few exceptions so I think uh, the the organizer they decide to move on and give the opportunity to others to be named number one, like Mauro Colagreco. Yeah, how do you feel about that? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't ask myself this question because I, uh, it's, a, it's not my decision. It's their decision. Yeah. And, uh, you know, since we were, like, uh, named uh, best of the best, we were, like, as busy as ever. So it's not about business. But it's about the sense of competition that you have uh, inside. Yeah. Actually, the best menu we ever created in Osteria Francescana was the last one in November called uh, Journey Around the Poor River. And uh, it's uh, all inspired by the 1950 documentary by the gastronomic critic Mario Soldati that was teaching the Italian why the Emilia was the food valley. So this journey from uh, Piemonte to the seaside of Adriatic Sea from, you know, and uh, through along all these little villages was the perfect uh, example of recreate a journey on the opposite side from the seaside to the mountains. It took two years to create this menu, but this is uh, now serving at the Osteria and it's like the most amazing menu. So what we did is like we split Osteria Francescana in two uh, to be to keep pushing. One is uh, Via Stella, the classic uh, location in which we have this menu. And the other is Maria Luisa in the evening in which we move all the most iconic dishes in there. Mm -hmm. So you have Oops, I dropped the lemon tart. Uh, five different age parmigiano. Beautiful psychedelic spin painting veal. The classics. In, the classics in Maria Luigia. Yes. In which we cook in front of the people. I usually, I'm usually there because I love to cook in front of the people. Every this kind of I see you interaction. here. You're just like interacting yeah. with everybody. In, I'm interacting with everybody. Always. Yeah, this is a Maria Luigia style. And you know, Seria is more classic style with a super, you know, classic... Uh, 
two, four people tables. Very formal. Yeah, very formal. Yeah. Yeah. To choose yes. what they want. Yes. I want to ask you in terms of um, new talent, what you would advise new chefs who are coming up. I can talk about uh, my my guys. Yes. You know, uh, Francesco, the chef of uh, Franceschetta, has just been named uh, best Italian young chef uh, of 2019. Karime, the, Taka's wife, she's like the chef at Gucci Osteria in Florence, has been named uh, best uh, female chef in Italy, <laughs> and the first uh, and she got the first uh, Michelin star. Wow. So. Uh, Jessica, she's a Canadian. Uh, she's been promoted uh, after being uh, like five years uh, in um, Chef de Partido d'Osteria Francescana. She moved as the chef of all the gastronomic events from all over the world. Now she is the chef at Maria Luisa. So my advice is the advice that I gave to Bernardo when he moved here. Bernardo was like the one who was uh, ready to be the chef of Osteria, you know? Yeah. I move it here because Tak and Davide, they're still there, like my, my, my buddies. Just travel with your eyes and your mind open to learn everything. But never forget who you are and where you come from. So like that, you have your own personality, your own uh, culture that it stays with you, but you open to learn everything from the world. So this is the way and the most important suggestion that I can give to young generation and young chef. Amazing, and you've traveled all over the world. Yeah. Where are some of the places where you've learned the most? You've been surprised by what you've learned there. Yeah, I think uh, France was the first uh, approach. First uh, for the classic uh, French cuisine uh, in uh, with an old French chef, uh, two Michelin star called Georges Cogny, mm. and then Alain Ducasse. Yeah. He influenced me a lot uh, in the quality, you know, in the quality, the crazy quality of the ingredients he was using, you know, he's always been with me. Then uh, New York, because uh, New York is where I met my wife, but also is the way to approach to people, you know? Always leave a space open for the unexpected. You know, you can meet the most amazing people and have uh, an amazing, uh, you know, relationship with uh, the most unexpected people. Like, you know, I can give you, you know, hundreds of examples. Yeah. But also the crazy approach on uh, the everyday life the Japanese has. You know, that's Taka, my Japanese guy. You know, it's like Japan is uh, extremely important, was extremely important for us. Uh, yeah. But I can't let you go without talking about music. Oh. You have like how many How many records? 17,000? Right now, right now, uh, right now there are like 7,000. I moved 7,000 in Maria Luisa. And for 13, for between 13 and 14,000 in my home. So they're like 20,000 20, vinyls. I don't know where you put them all. That's crazy. Yeah. I open rooms. Unbelievable. I clear from other stuff that I... Yeah. So, so talk to me about your favorite music. What inspires you the most? There's no one favorite music. A few. You, know, you, can, you can feel, you can feel emotion from Paganini playing the violin in 1939, yeah. 78 record, or Edith Piaf, uh, uh, you know, La Via and Rose, you know, playing 78, or like 
Charlie Parker breaking all the rules of jazz. Yes. Uh, Billie Holiday singing uh, her life in uh, in the blues that she sings, or Lou Reed uh, and his obsession about uh, the amplifiers, or Michael Stipe and the new solo music that he's recording right now. To me, is like give me goosebumps just uh, to hear that, you know. I thought your favorite music would be like the hammering of a parmigiano reggiano. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, that's that's a, an important music uh, and uh, sounds to to learn and to understand. You know. Give me give me one song that I can play with this interview. Sunday morning by the Velvet Underground, in which uh, Nico sings uh, with the Velvet. I love it. Yeah. Oh my and, gosh. And, on the top of the cover of the record, there's a banana. Yes! Brown bananas. Perfect! That's perfect. There's oh Warhol, The Velvet, New York, Nico, you know, everything. Massimo Batura, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> you are such a joy. <laughs> Thank it you. It really is just you. joy to be with you. Thanks. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m.